All right, if you would, um, grab a Bible. There should be a Bible underneath you. You can pull out your phone, um, whatever it is, uh, and turn to Luke chapter 2. If I sound weird, it's because I've been dealing with some kind of cold that I got um, last Thursday. So um, feel free to say a prayer that uh, if this sermon ends early, you know, we'll know why. Um, All right, Luke chapter 2, we're starting a new Advent series as uh, today's the first Sunday of uh, the Advent season, and we're starting a series, Joy to the World. If you heard last week, I think it was Jow to the World, I think. Um, Jeff spelled it wrong, right? Uh, J-O-W. So Jow to the World, uh, we're starting that up this morning, Um, and we're going to be looking at joy and what the Bible says about joy. Uh, for the next few weeks. I know that when Jeff said that, hey, let's do this series, let's do Joy of the World, I immediately was like, yes, let's, we need some joy uh, in our lives. So um, I'm real excited for that. So that's where we're going to be this morning. Usually sermons uh, about joy focus on maybe what joy is, um, maybe sermons focus on the possibility of joy. And we need those sermons. We need to hear those things. We need to hear that joy is possible. Um, in the midst of, of life, that just life is hard, life hurts, life comes at you fast, and, uh, and we need to be reminded again and again and again that joy is possible uh, in this life. And I think this sermon is going to, to say that, okay? But I want to answer another pressing question that I think maybe, maybe is more pressing than is joy possible, and that is, is joy still permissible? Is joy still allowed? Um, Are we allowed to be happy about anything anymore? Is joy still permissible? Or is is fear the new appropriate way to live? With everything regarding COVID, race, uh, our growing obsession with politics, our relational hostility to one another, um, you don't like turkey, well, I don't like you anymore, you know? Um, with all of that, I think there's this question of, is joy still uh, permissible? It seems like in every corner of our lives, someone or something is trying to steal, prohibit, suppress, take away joy. I don't know if I'm alone in this. Um, Hopefully not. If I'm alone in this, this introduction is going to fall flat. But um, that's the question I seem to be wondering and asking, is joy still permissible? And this is what I mean. It sounds something like this. And listen, for this introduction, I really stayed, I couldn't sleep last night because I was like, should I do this introduction? Just loosen up a little bit, okay? I'm having a little fun with this, all right? Um, this is what this kind of can sound like. Man, we just had the best Thanksgiving this past week. We, we had so much good food and so much good turkey, and, and it was the best. Just the food, the turkey was awesome. Yeah, but was that turkey free-range, organic, grass-fed? humanely slaughtered, because if not, I don't know what you're so happy about, right? Oh, man, we, I'm so happy we got all of our family under one roof, 37 people, you know, people I didn't even know, you know? I didn't know that I had this, these nephews. It was just the best. It was the best. We had all these people. Yeah, but are you guys all quadruple vaxxed, triple boosted? Because if not... I don't know what you're so happy about. 
I told you, you got to relax for this introduction, okay? Because it's, it's only going up from there, right? Man, I just love going to church. It just brings me so much joy. Going to church is the highlight of my week. Yeah, but are you guys doing no masks at church? Because if not, why are you trying to kill people? Man, I just got this new car. I'm so happy. I just got this new car. Is it eco-friendly with a small carbon footprint and runs on water? Because if not, why do you hate the planet? That's what I want to know. All right, I'm going to skip this, the last one. Uh-uh. Man, me and my friends, we just had the best time last night. We just hung out all night around the campfire. Yeah, but how diverse is your friend group? I told you, I probably should have skipped that one. Here's my point. I can make fun of and poke fun at this cultural stuff all day long. That's not the point of this sermon. The point is, is joy still permissible? Are you allowed to be happy about anything anymore? And I'm not here to, to poke fun at this stuff. Really, why I bring this up is because this kind of vibe of is joy still permissible is getting into the church. Okay, And I'm going to come back to that later to explain how I think that's happening. The scriptures are going to show us this morning that joy is not just possible, it's not just permissible, but it is the prescribed aim of God in Christianity for you. Our text this morning is going to say it's not just possible, it's not just permissible, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. So let's stand, let's read God's word together. This is where we're picking up in Luke chapter 2. Mary has been told that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary being a virgin, um, essentially engaged to Joseph, um, and she is now pregnant, uh, conceived by, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we are picking up in chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. Father, we pray that you would send your word out, that it wouldn't return void. It would do, it would act in our hearts. You would move among us in power. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke is here in the book of Luke. He's giving us a detailed account of the life and times of Jesus. He's explain, he explains why Mary and Joseph are traveling. There's this registration that has been called. And at this time, 
um, as medical professionals say, Mary is super preggers. She is extremely pregnant. She's about to pop, and then as they are on the move, as they are traveling back to their hometown, uh, the action begins in verse 6. If you would look with me in verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. This is the classic, we were traveling on the highway, stuck in traffic, and the baby came, and I delivered the baby on the move. Nowhere near the hospital. I'm not at my hospital. I don't have my doctors on the move. Just horrible timing if, in, in, in our perspective. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling claws and, lied, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let this scene sink in. We've read this. I'm sure when you hear there was no place for them in the inn, right? It's like, oh yeah, Christmas, right? We all recognize that uh, verse in this scene, but really let it sink in. Uh, this is homecoming weekend in this town. It is buzzing, um, it is busy, and then all of a sudden, time stands still for Mary and Joseph. All right, they're on the move, they're trying to get things done, it's busy, it's, there's traffic, all that kind of stuff, and then Mary's like, hey, uh, I think it's time. Time stands still, and she gives birth. Joseph does what, uh, what he should do. He starts Googling, calling around, looking for a place to stay, Right? got this newborn baby, we were going to be in and out of here, now we've got to stay here. Every place is booked, every hotel, every VRBO is booked, the whole deal is booked, right? But Joseph, guys, I'm making this part up, obviously, but Joseph being the uh, good man that he is, he comes in, he's like, hey, Mary, don't worry, I found a place, right? It's not the highest rated in the town, okay? Um, but I did find us a place. They call it the farmhouse stable. Super cute, right? Probably shiplap everywhere. Um, and, and, uh, and so they go to a manger. I mean, let this sink in. This is totally wild. I mean, this is insane. This is the most humble, meek, mild, lowly birth of a baby boy. Nowhere for them to go, and so they have to go to this manger. And yet, here, let's not miss the obvious, or maybe not so obvious, that we are talking about the birth of Christ the Lord. So at verse 11 in this chapter will tell us that this baby is not just another baby. A baby, yes, but Christ the Lord. God himself being born among us. We are talking about here so that we don't miss it. We are talking about the, the son of God, the eternal second person of the Trinity who has always been and always will be, who is equal with the father, divine, who now we see takes upon himself our human nature, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the, in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and now of her substance, of her humanity, of our humanity. We are talking about the second person of the Trinity, who, born totally without sin, without sin, unlike you and I. This baby here is God and is man, is God and man, two distinct natures, divine and human, but one person, Jesus Christ the Lord. This is the first advent 
This is the first advent of Jesus, the arrival of the Son of God. Now, here's what's even more astounding. For Joseph and Mary, this birth right here was last minute. I mean, sure, she's expecting it. She knows any minute this could happen, right? But, but for them, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't even have a place to stay. This is unexpected. We're not prepared for this uh, birth in this moment. But here's what's astounding about this. For God, for the Bible, this is the long-awaited advent of the Son of God. This is the thousands of years of waiting, looking, wondering, hoping for this moment, for this child uh, to be born. And this is how it happens. I mean, they've been waiting thousands of years for the Savior to come, to redeem us, to redeem God's people. And this is how it happens. On the move, traveling, give birth, nowhere to stay, here's a manger. I guess we could go there. The plan for Christ, the Lord, the king to show up was to show up as an infant, to show up as a little baby boy, totally, fully human. It's astounding. It doesn't get more lowly, meek, mild, and tender than this. This is the first advent. And then, and then to stay in a stable. It just doesn't get more lowly and humble than that. Now, you know when you have a baby and you start texting, right? Texting everyone, texting pictures, weight, name, Instagram, social media. God does the same. He goes to nobodies, to a bunch of nobodies out shepherding. Look at verse 9. And he announces the birth of Jesus. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, I've, I think I've talked about this maybe recently in a, in a recent sermon, but when heaven comes down, when heaven comes down, when the glory of heaven and the glory of God shines again and again and again in the Bible, we see that we shudder in fear. Again and again in the Bible, we shudder in terror before the glory of God. Perhaps it's this overwhelming sense of guilt that I've known deep down I'm guilty before God, and now he's here, maybe to, to, to drop judgment. Perhaps it's just a sense of just out of control. I thought I was in control, and what's going on right now is totally out of my control. Whatever the reason might be, when heaven shows up in the Bible again and again and again, fear. The Bible shows us that for us to breathe is for us to fear. We are creatures of fear. It comes naturally to us. And actually, in Luke chapters 1 and 2, leading up to this text, there are two dominant human emotions or responses or states of mind that Luke has been highlighting throughout all of these events. And one of them is fear. Five times in Luke 1 and 2, fear or someone troubled, someone in distress is highlighted. As Luke uh, uh, gives account of these details and these events again and again and again, he says, and they feared and they were troubled and they were distressed and they feared. How easily can we relate now? Uh, in this moment, in our culture, in this time, where fear seems to be the new prescription, where joy may not be permissible, but fear is more than appropriate at every uh, turn. We are creatures of fear. Fear comes naturally to us. We fear what others think of us. We fear what we think of ourselves. We want to be able to sleep at night. We want to be able to look ourselves in the mirror. And we fear what God thinks of us. 
And so when God shows up, it's terrifying. But in the face of the greatest fear you can have, they hear and we hear the greatest thing you can hear. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. Again and again in the Bible, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have reason not to fear. Fear no more. Here's the question. Why? Why not? Why would I not fear in this moment? Why would these shepherds not fear? Doing the mundane task of shepherding, then heaven shows up. Why would they not uh, fear? That seems more than appropriate. Look what, it, look what the text says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I bring you good news, not news of doom and judgment from heaven, not news of doom and judgment from God, but good news of what? Of great joy. And there is the second dominant human state of mind, emotion that we see in Luke chapter 1 and 2. We see fear again and again, but about seven times Luke highlights joy around the birth of Jesus and everything leading up to the birth of Jesus again and again and again, joy, joy, joy when it comes to the birth of Jesus. And it's not just any joy. It's not the joy of great food over Thanksgiving. It is a joy founded in, resting in, rooted in Jesus. It's about the birth of Jesus. It's about the salvation of God in Jesus, the mercy of God in Jesus, the grace of God in Jesus. Now, this is why. This is why joy. Look at verse 11. It says, for, here's why it's good news of joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. There are only two options when it comes to the advent of Jesus, the arrival of the Son of God from heaven. There's only two options. One is scorched earth judgment that we deserve because of our sin. That's one option with the advent of Jesus. The other option is what we just read. It is a tender, meek little baby who has come for us. Luke 178, you don't have to turn there, describes this reality of what we are witnessing here with the birth of Jesus and the advent of Jesus beautifully. It says that we have the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of God. Not just the mercy of God, but the tender mercy of God, the lowly mercy of God, the meek mercy of God, the humble mercy of God for you and me. This is what the first advent of Jesus is all about. It's what it's all about, the tender mercy of God for you, the tender mercy of God for you. So if you want joy, if you want joy this Christmas season, Look to the greatness of the gospel. That's what Martin Lloyd-Jones said, who wrote a book, Spiritual Depression, uh, that is about spiritual depression. Really, it's really about joy. And he says, unhappiness in the Christian life is very often due to our failure to realize the greatness of the gospel. Do you lack joy in your walk with the Lord? Do you lack joy in the Christian faith? Perhaps it could be because you've let your eyes drift as we do off of the greatness of the gospel. 
off of the wonder that God would visit the earth as a little baby lying in a manger for you. Now, I began by making fun of some silly things in our culture that I may have offended some of you or everyone. Um, Here is why I did it, because there is a movement in the church that I think is doing the same thing that is maybe indirectly, maybe accidentally, unknowingly prohibiting, suppressing joy in the church, in Christianity. And I think they're doing it by forgetting the first advent of Jesus, by losing the message of the first advent of Jesus that no longer is the message, the dominant message, joy to the world. A baby has been born. Atheist, John McCorder in his new book, Atheist, not a Christian, has no vested interest in the church or in Redeemer or anything like that, says this, the history of the historian of religion will find 2020, the year 2020, illustrative as a time when American Christianity in many places began a slow transition into a new version of itself. Okay, what he is saying there as an atheist from the outside looking in, No vested interest in what happens to the church. If anything, kind of writes antithetical to Christianity and religion in general. Says, I'm watching Christians um, transform into something different. He says, I'm watching churches transforming into something new. It's a new version um, of itself. Now, he's writing particularly about all things related to social justice in our culture, and he doesn't necessarily have the theological understanding or words to explain what he sees going on, so I'm going to do it for him. I think with an ever, um, with the church ever focusing on societal ills that are real, real injustice, real evil, real sin, as an answer is starting to forget about the first advent of Christ as the answer for all of it, as the message to launch into an evil, unjust world. And I think that they are starting to replace it with the message of the second advent of Christ. What do I mean by that? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. There's another arrival um, in the future for the world, but he's not coming to preach grace and mercy. He's not coming as a tender, mild little baby. He's coming to right all wrongs. He's coming with the new heavens and the new earth. For for believers, this is something we look forward to. This is a good day for us, right? For unbelievers, this is a bad day. It's a bad day. Um, That's what the second advent is going to be about. And I think in an effort to unceasingly focus on societal ills and everything wrong in our culture, and there is a lot wrong with this world, the message in the church is often becoming no longer joy to the world, but justice is coming. Don't worry, justice is on the way. But that's not a message of good news for the world. To look out into an evil, sinful world and say, here's our message. It'll all be righted one day. It'll all be sorted out one day. That's not a message of good news. I mean, it's good news for believers that one day there'll be no more sin, no more suffering, no more sorrow. Amen. 
we look forward to that. But that's not, the, that's not the message here in Luke 2 for an evil, sinful world. It's not that there's a lot of sin, but don't worry, sinners one day will get their due. Here's the point. The first advent of Jesus, this advent, the Luke 2 advent, is the central message of the church for the world. It is the central message of the Bible, and it's the central message of the Bible for the world. Here's what it is. This is the message of the Bible for a sinful, evil, unjust world. Here's the message. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's the answer. That's the message that we need to hear. That's the message the world needs to hear. A world lost in darkness and sin, they need to hear there was a baby who was lying in a manger for you. The tender mercy of God has arrived. And that baby is lying in a manger in the midst of a sinful, dark world to bring grace upon grace upon grace. Joy to an unjust world. Joy to a sinful world. Joy to sinners like you and me. Fear not, the text says, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. God came in tender mercy as a tender infant that you and me, unjust, sinful people, that an unjust, sinful world might have joy based on grace forever. That's why he came. It is a joy that is unshakable because it's not rooted in you. It's a joy that is unshakable because it's not rooted in you. It's not rooted in those around you. It's not rooted in how good our world is. It's a joy rooted in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So it's unshakable. It is not based on the goodness of culture around us. It's not based on your goodness. It's not even based on whether or not you've been hurt by sin. It is grounded in the reality that God the second person of the Trinity came as a baby and took on your humanity and he lived and he died and he rose from the dead to save you from your sins, to forgive you and to put a smile on your face. And because Jesus' grace, because the grace of God in Christ always gets the last word, so does your joy. So does your joy. That's why the Psalms say weeping may tarry for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning because joy gets the last word because Jesus gets the last word. Because the grace of God for you in your life will get the last word. The tender mercy of God gets the last word, however you feel this morning, however you feel. Whatever's happened to you, whatever's going on in you, whatever's happening around you in the community, Joy gets the last word because Jesus gets the last word. Weeping may come, weeping may be here, but joy comes in the morning. Joy isn't just possible. It's not just permissible. It is inevitable. It's good news of great joy. And God's not a liar. It's inevitable in your life. Weeping may be here. Joy is coming. 
because Jesus gets the last word. So fear not this morning. Fear not. Rejoice. Lean in to that, that little bit of joy you might have and rejoice and fear not. Let's pray.